kicks off the sports machine with Slim. Every weekday here on WKXL Radio from 10 to 11. Today's Thursday already. That means tomorrow's Friday, people. First week of the year is flying by for me. Lots of action. Lots of action in the sports world for us to get to today. We're going to start out talking a little bit about the NBA and then progress into NHL. i got a surprise for you. got a former NHL player that's going to come on the show today to talk Bruins hockey and maybe some of the overall stuff in the NHL. And then might have a little bit of treat at the end of the show today on some crypto discussion potentially and maybe talk about the fan bases of various teams around the United States. Let's open up, though, with a meeting I had yesterday. I want to tell you a quick story. I went down to Manchester and visited for the first time with the folks from an organization called Adult and Teen Challenge. I don't know how many people out there have ever heard of this. I had never before, up until a couple of weeks ago, when I met a couple of individuals from the Adult and Teen Challenge, based out of Manchester, over at a, a restaurant called Tuckaway, which was, which is an incredible place to go to eat and to buy uh, meat, is what I would say, just as a quick description. Fantastic place in Raymond, New Hampshire. Um, anyway, two guys were there selling uh, cutting boards, and I started to talk with them. Hey, what is this all about? Well, fast forward. Yesterday, I'm going to meet in person with uh, with the individual who kind of runs the New Hampshire branch of Adult and Teen Challenge, Hector, over in Manchester. Have a great discussion with him, and I learn a ton about what they're doing to help people with drug addictions. And he took me inside a little bit of that that world overall. And what I I learned is I kind of peeled back the onion in this topic, because I guess from the government standpoint, I guess they don't give any public dollars to any faith-based organizations. So if you have a religious piece of the puzzle or maybe a central piece of the puzzle trying to solve a problem like drug addiction, a pretty big problem. Everybody in this listening audience, everybody that you've talked to or heard from so far in 2024, any single person probably knows somebody who has had or is having a big problem with addiction. And I know this is a sports talk radio show, but I just wanted to open up the show by saying uh, thank you to Hector for showing me around, letting me learn a little bit about what you folks are doing there at the Adult and Teen Challenge, making a difference in people's life. And I will let you know, I did throw out my plastic cutting board, and I have the new incredible wooden one that you gave to me yesterday as a gift. Thank you from the bottom of of, uh, my heart for that gesture. I did throw out one of my plastic cutting boards. I kept the other one just because I didn't want to go too quick too fast, just in case. But your cutting board is superior to the other cutting boards, and I wanted to let you know that. So that's how we're getting started on the Sports Machine with Slim. This is New Hampshire's Next Generation Sports Talk radio show. So let's get to the sports talk radio, shall we? Let's do a little bit of an NBA rundown, if you will. The Celtics had the night off. So did the Bruins. Celtics looking forward to playing Utah tomorrow. Well, guess what? Utah had a game last night. Boy, did they have did they have a game. The, the scores in the NBA seem to be going a lot higher nowadays than they used to in years past. Utah last night, 
scored 154 points to take down Detroit. My lovable Detroit Pistons had lost 28 games in a row, got a win. Now they're back on the losing streak side of things. I think this is their second loss in a row. They lose 154 to 148 last night. Cade Cunningham continues to be on a roll, 31 points. Bogdan uh, Bojanovic had 36 points. Bojan Bogdanovic? <laughs> I'm pronouncing, maybe mixing that up. But for Utah, Colin Sexton, 25. Laurie Markkinen, 31. Jordan Clarkson, 36 off the bench. This guy is just, man, is he a spark plug. That guy, he can shoot the basketball. But obviously, everybody I just named can't play very good defense. <laughs> it's 154 to 148. Meanwhile, in other NBA news, the Pacers beat the Bucks last night, 142 to 130. The Pacers score 47 points in the third quarter. And what's most notable about this Pacers beating up on the Bucs is they had just done it the other day too. New Year's Day. The Bucs lost to Indiana. 122-113. to So Indiana spanked them two games in a row. You know after you lose the first one, you're coming back trying to win the second game. So everybody's talking about the Bucs and maybe them being a, a challenge to the Celtics as the time goes on. Well, they ought to worry about Indiana first. That sounds like I mean, my focus would be, hey, uh, let's let's pretend you uh, see if you can beat the guys you're playing with before looking at the best, because the Celtics are going to win the NBA championships. I, I continue to say that. This year, this will happen. Tyrese Halliburton scored 31 on 5 of 11 from 3 last night for the Pacers. Hawks beat the Thunder 141 to 138. Are we seeing a theme developing here? Man, a lot of points being scored. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 33 points. Here, listen to this stat line, everybody. This is This is what... I get on the Celtics for. Because this guy, Shea, is for real. 33 points. 11 of 24 from the field. 2 for 3 from 3-point land. He made two threes out of 3 taken. So that's 6 points. He got 27 out of points. He's 2 of 24, uh, 11 for 24 from the field. So take out the threes. 9 for 21. I love to see that work, baby. I love to see that work. I saw on Twitter people were saying out there uh, an argument floating around the Twitter sphere that Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than Jason Tatum, and I almost commented it. I de- I decided not to because I know some people's eyes will be rolling in the back of that like, no, he is, and no, he's too small. He can't do the same defense. He can't do the rebounding. All I'm gonna tell you is he doesn't have nearly the team around him that Jason Tatum does. And this guy can get his own shot, and he's on the upswing, baby. So for me right now, I think his odds to win the MVP are 4-1. to one. A lot of people are talking like uh, after the victory the other day how, how well he played against the Celtics. People that know hoops and follow the betting action say, oh, wait a minute, this guy could be the MVP. I'm in agreement. I know Embiid and Jokic are, are the two guys at the top, and they're the two most previous uh, MVP winners, right? I, I just feel the NBA likes to do new stuff, and they want to promote like the new generation of player. These fast guards and small forwards that jack up a lot of threes. Look at the scoring going on here. 142 to 130, 141 to 138, 154 to 48. Even the Clippers, they beat the Suns 131 to 122. Scoring, scoring, scoring. The NBA wants to promote the guys that can score. And Shea, he can score. If he keeps his team up around you know, fourth, third, fifth position, in the West and keep scoring like this with the eyes on him in the second half of the season, that's going to be your MVP at 4-1. to one. The Celtics, 
play against Utah tomorrow night. And I want everybody to understand, we're playing this game at home. We got an interesting week coming up. We got the home game against Utah Friday. Then we go on the road. We're playing Indiana twice next. So Indiana just beat up on the Bucs a couple of times. And guess what? Now the Celtics are going to be rolling into town. So we got the home game against Utah Friday. Then we're going at Indiana on Saturday. And then again at Indiana on Monday. There must be something up with the NBA, like schedule makers were there, maybe caught up in the green movement trying to use less like fuel. Could this be part of it? Because we never used to play two games back to back against other teams at the same location. If we played Indiana, it would be okay in Boston one night, and then two days later we'd play at Indiana. This is going back for, I mean, I'm 49 years old. This has been going on forever. Now this year, we played at Orlando twice. That was at Boston, I think. And now we're playing at Indiana twice in a row. So it's just interesting. I wonder why the NBA schedulers are, are doing this. Uh, the green movement's catching on. That's the only thing I can think of. Celtics are 17-3 and in the last 20. I looked through... The, uh, the schedule and the results so far for the season for the Celtics yesterday. And I just was like, look at all these wins. Oh, man, like I know we're good. We're 26-7. and seven. But when you start looking at the last 20 games, just like, boy, that's a lot of wins. Not too many losses. Out of those 20 games, 17 we win. Who did we lose to? We lost on Golden State in overtime. That was the game when Tatum missed the step back uh, three-pointer at the end of regulation, so it went into OT. We lose that game. We lost to Indy. Indiana, so we've lost to them already. We also beat them once. First time we played them, 155-104. to 104. We, we spanked them November 1st. Then we played them again in the in-season tournament, and Indiana beat us. Man, they were hot that night. Then you got the loss we had against LKC the other day. So do the Celtics pick up another streak? I mean, I want to see this team winning 65, 70 games. It's possible. We have that much talent on this team. And we have that much talent here on the Sports Machine with Slim. It's not just me, your host. It's also the incredible callers that we have. And we're going to have some guests for you coming up today. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is New Hampshire Talk Radio, nhtalkradio.com. Sports Machine with Slim. While we're on break, commercial break, I'm not on break. I'm busy working in the lab, pulling up some stats to share with you people. And I know I've been touting one Peyton Pritchard over the past couple of weeks because I love the guy. I'm all in. I want the dude on the court. I was so glad to see Joe Mazzula leave him in the game the other day when he was largely responsible for getting our 18-point deficit reduced down to whatever it was, seven or eight, and Joe said, all right, I'm going to keep you out there. He played him for the last eight minutes of the game, and uh, Drew Holiday was on the bench. And I, I mentioned yesterday how Drew was, was oh, timeouts called. The players are coming off the floor. He's up and at him. He's, hey, he's giving high fives. He's, you could see the look on his face was positive and encouraging. And what a delight that is to see the team that I want to root for, that I'm dedicating my time to, 
I'm watching this at night, and I want to see guys who want to win together. That's what we're seeing from the Boston Celtics. That's what you're seeing here on the Sports Machine with Slim. I'd like to invite, rumor has it that my cousin Bob from Quincy is on the line right now. So if that is in fact true, I'd like to welcome him onto the show. The rumors are in fact true, and this is not a rumor. I understand that I'm just your lead-in to a former professional athlete, but let it be known, at 10 years old, I hit over 600 for the Farm League team, and there was a man by the name of Kenny D who can verify that I did it, and then I moved up at 11 and hit 200 in place. Farm League ta- uh, team, Bob, is that that's a, I mean, hard baseball? Is that we're talking about coaches this, pitching to this, you or this, these this other is, players? The players pitched, every team had a girl, and it was all the kids that were not good enough to get into Little League or were too scared <laughs> to even try out. <laughs> the kids did pitch to you, and it was a hard baseball. And uh, my confidence was sky high at 10. I pitched the first three <laughs> innings of the final, and then my team blew it. But um, then I moved up with the big boys, and um, ooh, it was not pretty. It happens, man. We Our time runs out. And I never made the pros. Sorry. Sorry about that. Well, there's still but you time. know who did make the pros? Who? A gentleman on the bench for the Jazz who I expect is going to be very up for this game. And watch out, Kelly Olynyk. Um. Players always get up for their former team. Watch. Kelly Olynyk. I think, took six shots in that last game. Guarantee you. Look at that stat sheet. And... Was it Clarkson that took 20 shots off the bench for the Jazz? Let him do that again, please. My cousin Bob from Quincy, I'm going to tell you what, Kerry, Kelly Olynyk. You, you bringing that up, I know there was a game last year where we played against him. I, I don't know if it was on Utah. I think he was. But I can just remember him like just on fire. I mean, he was making tons of shots. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, exactly like you say. The guys that come back and play against their former team, it's just stuck in their craw, whatever the right expression yeah. is. He, Terry just, Rozier is going to shoot 35 <laughs> shots anytime he plays against himself. It's just what they do. I love and, Scary Terry. I wear my, my Scary Terry t-shirt all the time i still wear it it's a green shirt with with the mask scary terry uh i love rooting for the guy so i I still root for him for years the road scoring record at the new td garden was ac earl because (laughs) he scored half of his nba points in one game against (laughs) ac nice name dropping right there go ahead bob you you know what i really want to say today yeah do uh, it I, i don't even know if you can do it with nil and stuff like that i want Iowa Hawkeyes, Caitlin Clark in the NBA three-point contest. Wouldn't you love to see that? Oh, 100%. Everybody would. This would be a huge, ridiculous marketing opportunity. The question would be, initially out of the gates, Bob, do you think she should have to use the man-sized ball, which I think is 29.5 pounds of pressure, or or can she use the women's ball, which I think is 28.5 pounds? Let her use her ball and let them talk. Let them talk. Wouldn't that be something to watch? Everybody would be tuned in. That'd be equivalent, in my mind, to seeing uh, Elon Musk fight Mark Zuckerberg. People w- would all want well, to pay per view. Were they going to do that in the Coliseum? Yeah, wherever they're going to do it. But I would pay pay per view, not for nothing, to watch Caitlin Clark in the three point contest against the the other NBA shooters. There's a few more viewers on TNT, and I'm telling them how to make it happen. I think this is an incredible idea. Why can't it happen? In this day of like inventing flying cars, solar-powered everything, all the inventions we have, the mind-powered... I don't know. Um, maybe she'd have to donate the prize money. That, that might be the one sticking point. Um, but I, I think she'd want to do it for the prize. 
Oh, of course, and for the gender. Not for nothing. If you give Caitlin Clark the forum to build up to that event, she gets to talk trash to all male basketball players everywhere and say how she's going to destroy them. Heck, I would love her to come on the show right here, and I'd give her give her the format to be able to do it. In fact, I'm rooting for her. I, I, I don't it's know if bit, she could do it. a tough ticket to get right now. <laughs> We, we, we might need to overtake Toucher and Hardy before we're landing Caitlin Clark. <laughs> I'm going to do it eventually. I'm just going to stay at it. Maybe I'll just start sending her an email every day. I won't even know if it's hers. I'll just do it. Caitlin.Clark at gmail.com and just keep sending the email. Maybe it's her. You mean like the emails I used to send to Anna Kornikova? Right. Something along those lines, I suppose. Yes, please come on my radio show. I want to interview you. <laughs> and I've got a proposal. We'd like for you to participate in the NBA three-point shooting contest during All-Star I don't weekend. know which she'd be more interested in. It might be Slim. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about uh, the Celtics and these statistics? Hold on one second. Yeah, Peyton, yeah. Peyton Pritchard is 6 for 23 from his, la- uh, his last four games from three-point land. I do not like that. But, Bob, the Celtics lead the league in made threes per game, 16. They also okay. lead the league in attempts at 42.8 a game. I looked at the percentage. They rank 10th in shooting percentage from three, 37.4%. OKC's number one at 39.3%. Are the Celtics shooting too many threes? The league learned from, of all teams, the Houston Rockets. When the Houston Rockets went three and D, and people analyze that if you get 150% more points, you only need to be a certain percentage <laughs> you know, below that if these players can make the threes, take the threes. And also, you're more likely to get those rebounds because they're not going to be right under the basket. So I hate when you break everything down to analytics, but do I want teams taking threes? Yes. Do I want Tatum taking step-back threes when there's eight better shots? No. McBFQ, our resident math expert on the hotline right now with us discussing how uh, 1.5 points for every three made is equivalent to every uh, one point scored with with twos. I appreciate that math breakdown, and I'm in full agreement. But I do think, Bob, from a whole style standpoint, it sits into like a team's mentality when you just want to shoot threes versus – like, I'm going to get angry and go to the basket and finish at the rim. I just kind of feel like that attitude spreads across the whole team where we're going to play stronger instead of the finesse style. So is that holding the Celtics back? Well, it, you know, it makes me think of um, my friend who, like you, is a basketball coach. And he much, much preferred coaching women because they would pay attention to the fundamental. And, yeah, it just pure jacking up threes. Is terrible, but if you do it as part of a system and not, you know, my old buddy Marcus Smart who had to get his eight, you know, whether it was a good shot or a bad shot, but I'll take a good three over a good two, but a bad three is worse than anything. I described it to start the show yesterday when Caitlin Clark two nights ago made a three-pointer to win the game. The score was tied, I think, 73. There was five seconds left. Iowa's got the ball. She didn't even have the ball in her hands, Bob. So this is like a total deviation from what we see in the NBA. The point guard had the ball in the hands. She passes to the center, goes, sets a screen for Caitlin Clark, comes off the screen. The center gives the ball back to Caitlin Clark with two and a half seconds left, two seconds left. She catches, step back, and fires. So that's so different from what the NBA does. How many hours of Steph Curry footage do you think she watched to realize I can hit, not from the three-point line, from the logo? 
it, that was one heck of a shot. It's nice when you can do that and win the game, and then you just go over like the band section or the student section, and you're talking trash. I want to see her do that during the NBA three-point shooting contest All-Star Weekend. Let, let's make it happen, and let's start the movement here on the sports machine. We're all about starting movements here, Bob. I, I will tell you, though, I haven't had too much success with spreading my Jason Tatum uh, uh, countdown clock, my game winner or tire countdown clock. I'm waiting for him to actually hit a shot at the end of the game that wins a game for a Celtics. So that hasn't taken off like I thought it would. I wonder if I can do a better job with this Caitlin Clark in the three-point shooting contest. I Oh, my God. I, I, I When Tatum hits that game-winning three... It's going to be a celebration like Conor McGregor. <laughs> It'll be on. It'll be all over the social media sites. There we go. Well, Bob, do you, we're on the way out for this segment, so if you got anything else you want to share with us, you got you got limited time. Go right ahead. You know, again, I just wanted to lead into your next guest, and I'd love to hear some stories about playing in Canada, like some real, you know, let, let's go deep. I will do my best, Bob. Thank you very much. My cousin Bob from Quincy. There he is, everyone. You're listening to The Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. So you know where to find us. If you're listening on your car, just hold that button down, save it in your favorites. If you're online, it's nhtalkradio.com. We'll be right back with some hockey Bruins talk. Looky, looky, the price of Bitcoin has risen from 43500 to 44200 since we've been on the air. I'm going to explain to you why that's happening. I'm going to explain the price action that's been happening this whole week in our fourth segment. But this is segment number three. And what I'm hearing is that we are lucky enough to have Thomas Polk, uh, my local licensed health insurance and Medicare broker, also a former NHL hockey player, is on the line with us. Am I correct in saying that? Is this Thomas? Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you. I have said many times, Thomas, during the past couple of weeks, I am not an expert in hockey. I'm trying to train myself, and I've been looking for a hockey expert. You are that person. Does that intimidate you, me, me uh, clarifying or classifying you as a hockey expert? <clears throat> no, that's okay. <laughs> been around the game long enough where I'm comfortable I can talk about it. You absolutely can, and we're going to talk about the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Bruins game coming up tonight, 7 o'clock. I guess that's on ESPN, so that, that'll be, I mean, the, obviously the rest of the country must want to watch the Bruins play. Um, they're the best team in hockey right now, Thomas, right? I think as, as far as previous to last night's results anyway, the Bruins had the most points in the NHL standings. No, they are. They are on top of the list. If you look at the league standings, and they've had another terrific uh, regular season, and I'm sure they're trying to continue with their run. And can you tell us, there's been some changes, right? Bergeron is out. Krejci is out from last year, and those guys have been around for, for a while. I thought Krejci took one year off, right, and came back last year. But there's been some new additions to this team who, for me, as a casual fan, these are the guys I see producing and that I really liked. I looked at this guy, Van Riemsdyk. Thomas, he started playing back in 2007. That's around when you started playing, right? What were the years that you played? Did you start the, with the NHL 2004? Am I right on that memory? 
Yeah, it was 04. So, I mean, James has been around for a while, so he's not new to the game. And, uh, I mean, he's been a terrific player wherever he went. And, you know, that's what happens when teams uh, have old star players like Krejci and Bergeron, who've had terrific careers, obviously, in Boston and have uh, carried the team for a very long time, uh, leave the big shoes to fill and kind of takes the whole team to step up. But if you look at it, Van Riemsdyk, like, he's played over 900 games in the league. So he's not new to this. It's embarrassing to me that I didn't know much about this guy, Thomas. I did a little bit of research last night. I saw, well, he was the number two pick overall in the 2007 draft. I see right there in his bio, like, oh, round one, pick number two, and he goes by JVR. He's played a bunch of years for Philly, and he also, I forget the team in between, but I don't think he's won a, t- a title yet. Has he won a Stanley Cup? I don't know. I expect you to necessarily know No, he, know that. he was, well, he was in Philly. I think he went to Toronto after for a few years in between and then back to Philly. So the answer there is no. <laughs> As the fans uh, know, uh, neither, Bo- neither Toronto nor Philly have won a Stanley Cup in uh, recent years. So, uh, um, you know, definitely a chance for him to come to a team like Boston, who are always contenders. And I'm sure they are, uh, you know, that's the eye on the price for them this year. Boston has had a really strong team, you know, when you went in the offseason with the changes that were happening due to retirements for some of those players. I'm sure they were hoping to have the year that they have, but, you know, there's no guarantees, but they've been coming out flying every game, and they've done a terrific job there. And obviously, with the goaltending that they are getting there in Boston, um, arguably two of the best goalies and the best goalie tandem in the league, uh, gives them a chance every night to win games. Well, there you go, Thomas. That's a nice lead-in because I had a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about, but this one, let's just move it to the front of the list. I was talking to my brother Dave the other day, who's a big fan of the show, has ranked in the number one position, actually, for fans of the show in the past. He says you don't want to have overlap. Like, to have those two goalies that are both so valuable and so good, to have one on the bench every night, just from a business perspective, doesn't make any sense. He says you need to trade one of those guys. I, as a common fan, look and I see the camaraderie between the two and they're hugging and you can see they're rooting for each other. And I I wonder if that kind of spreads throughout the team and has a better impact just from like a luck and morale standpoint. What do you think we should do? Should we keep both guys or are we looking to maybe trade one when the trade deadline comes up here? I mean, that, that's always a discussion. I'm sure you have it every uh, living room watching the Bruins throughout New England. Uh, obviously, it's a luxury to have two of them. And ultimately, it's a tough decision for management. Uh, sooner or later, the younger guy there in Jeremy Swayman is probably going to want the starting position full-time. But, you know, as long as you have both of them, if you can fit them under the cap and make your team work, uh, why not carry two? Why not have the luxury of, hey, if something happens to one of them, we know that we have another 1A and 1, you know, B sitting right behind them. So, I mean, that's definitely something that's uh, a great thing to have if you're the Bruins uh, coach, if you're the Bruins management. And I'm sure they're having their discussions behind closed doors. But, you know, unless they find some great returns for either of them, I'm sure they're just going to hold on to them for now. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's always deficiencies on a team. And when I watched the Bruins the last couple of weeks, I think they're, they're good. I mean, they're playing better certainly the last four games than they were the four games before that when they were losing. Now we've won four in a row heading into tonight. And I, I just, when I watch the team, I know they're good, but I thought they were better last year when I watched some of the games, Thomas. And we know what happened. We go into the playoffs, we run into Florida, and Keith Kachuk was a guy who Florida traded for around the deadline. 
So if you can get that type of an impact player, I'm just wondering with this current team and the makeup of it, yeah, it's nice to have the two goalies. It's a luxury. Hey, why do you want to mess with it? But aren't we deficient potentially in like other positions that we would need to upgrade? Like how are you going to upgrade that for somebody good? Like just for example, a Kachuk level type of player, if it's even possible, like who else, who you who are you going to trade to get that type of a player? I think when you look at the overall picture there, the, the biggest thing is the Bruins are in a great spot, meaning they don't have to do anything today. They're on top of the NHL. Uh, everything's the way you look at I mean, unless everything goes wrong from here on out, they are in the playoffs and they're going to get a crack at the Stanley Cup. Ultimately, you want to just make it into the playoffs. Obviously, the higher up and getting home ice advantage are benefits to you. But, you know, the goalie situation, and I'm sure their management is looking into adding players just like they did last year but like you said you know sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't uh, just the qu- question of are you willing to sell off the future of the team for one quick run i mean the bruins now are a younger team again uh with some of the new kids they brought in and they have great goaltending they have a great team set up now it's just a matter of can they add a piece uh going into the playoffs and i think obviously the big picture is is it worth it is it worth it to give up one of those two goalies to bring in a guy and will he make the difference? But, you know, unless you have a crystal ball, <laughs> uh, the answer is it, it's really tough to come up with. And obviously that's something that management's going to make when the time comes uh, to the best of their ability. I love it, Thomas. I kind of set you up with the provocative question a little bit where it's like you can come in with a hard take one way or a hard take the other way. And you kind of come in just just rock steady in the middle saying, hey, you know, like a common sense approach to this, well, we don't have to do anything yet. And I will, I will just relay to people out there that Thomas Polk is the individual I get my family's health insurance through because he knows about the health insurance business. I, I was amazed, as I had talked about with him in private before, that I actually get less, I get better coverage for less money through the plan that he gives me just as an individual for my family, then we would have paid more going on my wife's health insurance plan at work, out of pocket. We were paying more. So if you are overwhelmed with the amount of money that you pay for your health insurance, I'm just telling you, this guy is common sense, smart, just tees up the information for you to make your own decisions like, hey, it's not our decision to trade one of the goalies. It's going to be the Ruins Executives Organization you know, uh, decision to make that. So, Thomas, how can people reach out to you just uh, you know, before we go on with the hockey stuff? If you want people to reach out to you for the health insurance stuff. I know you're here for yeah, hockey. They, <laughs> no, I know, but they, they can always give me a call at uh, 603-399-6687. My cell phone, shoot me a text. Sorry, three six zero three. 399-6687. Nice, Thomas. So let's get back into the hockey stuff here. Yeah, that JVR, James Van Reems, that Reems like guy, I didn't know. He was from UNH. He went to UNH for two years. Where That's my alma mater, University of New Hampshire. So that's cool that this dude's coming back and playing on the team with the Bruins this year. I like this guy, Geeky. We got, and I just saw he's on like a cheap contract with us over here. Coyle, Charlie Coyle's from Boston University, isn't he, Thomas? So we got like a lot of guys from the, these two anyway from the Northeast schools. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few on there. For I think there's actually four BU Terriers on the team for the Bruins right now. Wow. Uh, didn't I didn't know that till this year. That Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, I believe, and uh, so is Charlie McAvoy. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure who the last one is, but I think it might have been Matt Grizzlick, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, Shattenkirk and McAvoy. I didn't know those guys were both from BU. See, that, Thomas, that makes me want to win even more as we hear the music starting to come back uh, or head out towards commercial. Why don't you say your number one more time? Will you come back on and be our hockey expert again, please, sometime? Oh, 100%. This is fun. Right on. 603-399-6687. Absolutely perfect, Thomas. Thank you for shedding some light and knowledge into our hockey lives. And I'm telling you, he's got the same type of knowledge on health insurance. This is not just a commercial. I'm telling you, he knows what he's talking about. If you need help, give him a call. You're listening to The Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord. 101.9 FM in Manchester. Always can listen live, nhtalkradio.com. We're coming right back to talk some crypto stuff. break everybody this is the sports machine with slim we're gonna rapid fire through a lot of different things right here we'll do some nfl preview of games tomorrow friday on us so quickly already friday we'll we'll go through all the games break them down hopefully with my brother dave maybe the pistol whose picks have been i suppose somewhat less than stellar mine have been less than stellar i know this what i will say the one game that came out to me immediately Chicago Bears at Green Bay Packers. And I think people are going to be saying, oh, Green Bay's at home. Oh, Green Bay's playing for the playoffs. I just have been watching the Chicago Bears the last four weeks, and Justin Fields is playing legit. And and you know why? Because there's a lot of talk over there. Like, he might be replaced. So if he is replaced, he he's motivated. He, like, going into this game, he wants to drive his value up for 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 himself. He wants to drive his value up for himself and and have bargaining capability if he goes to a new team, first of all. And if he loves playing for Chicago, he wants to stay there. Justin Fields is is motivated to win the last game. It doesn't matter about records, but the Patriots were wondering, oh, wait a minute, do we want the draft pick? Should we try to win this game or not? What's going to happen here? Chicago has been heads down with their coach getting better all the way through the year. Believe me, this is a big challenge for them to go on the road at Green Bay. Green Bay is nothing special. I think people will say, oh, Green Bay needs to win this game. Uh, that is the wrong way to look at this game, in my opinion. Chicago wins this game outright. I'm not telling you to, to do anything you shouldn't be doing financially, but I, I am a strong believer Chicago is going to take Green Bay to the woodshed in this game just because they're better. It's just that simple, in my mind. So, take that for whatever is worth. Jacksonville's on the road at Tennessee. Jacksonville favored by five. That's just kind of a head-scratcher. I know they played much better against Carolina last week. And Mike Vrabel, they did at Tennessee. I mean, people talk like Mike Vrabel's this great coach. He lost, like, the last seven games of the year last year. Once I started saying, hey, they're a contender for Super Bowl, (laughs) they just started losing every game and couldn't pull themselves out of it. So, I don't know why they're going to be all jacked up as a team or a franchise to be like, let's go win this last game. We're at home. But Jacksonville just hasn't been playing well. They lost four in a row up until last week, and then they beat up on Carolina. Yay. Good for you guys. Tampa Bay gets a chance to seal their playoff spot by beating up on Carolina on Sunday. We'll get into all these games on Friday. For now, let's segue into a little bit 
of crypto discussion, just for one minute. On Monday, we had the holiday. So Monday night, and this is how it works in the crypto industry, you had the price of Bitcoin around $45,000 Monday night. When I wake up Tuesday morning, price of Bitcoin had dropped to 40000 So one Bitcoin had moved from 45000 down to 40000 overnight. Do you know why that happened? I do. The reason why is there's some big expectations of a huge event next week, a Bitcoin spot ETF approval that's expected to be approved for maybe one, but maybe 12 applicants. And when I'm talking applicants, I'm talking huge companies like BlackRock, Fidelity, Kathy Woods, ARK Investments. This ETF application approval in the crypto world and Bitcoin world is huge. So a lot of people are making bets, leveraged trades, that the price of Bitcoin is going to go up. Everybody's moving their chips in, betting the price is going to go up because they know this is expected to happen. These ETF approvals are expected to happen by June 10th, which is early next week. Well, everybody's making so many bets that it's going to go up, these leveraged bets, that the people who control the industry, the actual traders, exchanges, the people who know what's going on in crypto, what they do is they come in and they make bets that the price of crypto is going to go down. And then they move a bunch of their coins onto the exchanges and they sell huge amounts of Bitcoin. So while they're selling, that makes the price of Bitcoin go down. They're making money on their leveraged trades because they bet that they shorted it. So they bet the price was going to go down. So it drops within a matter of like an hour from 45000 down to 40000 Then they make all their money on their, their short trades. And at the same time, the people that had bet that it was going up, they got liquidated. So they lost all their money or closed out their positions. So the price goes down to 40000 Boom, within a matter of minutes, it's back up to 42000 And now the whole process starts over again. The people in charge of crypto have the system manipulated so that everybody sees the news. They're betting the price is going to go up. All the slugs out there that really don't know what they're doing. And then these masterminds come in. They just manipulate the system to drive the price down. And then they let the thing reset. So what's happening now is everybody's moving back in because once this approval happens early next week, the price is probably jumping to 50000 Everybody knows it. And if you've got leveraged trades open from a price point of like 44000 if the price jumps to 50000 within a matter of like a couple hours, you can make a ton of money in this game. So that's what's uh, just, just giving some people some information today on the Sports Machine with Slim early next week. Bitcoin's going to be in the news. That's all I'm telling you, everybody. It's going to be in the news, and it's going to be in the news for all of 2024. Remember I said it. That's, that's all. I, couldn't, I can't convince you to do anything. I'm just telling you, this is what's going to happen, and it's going to be lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff in the NFL this coming weekend. Not so much good stuff for certain fan bases across this country. And I want to talk about my theory. I've developed this over the last couple of years here, that the fans truly have an impact on the production and success of the sporting teams in their region. This is what I'm telling you. Remember when Tom Brady came to the, to the Patriots back in whatever it was, 2000, maybe it was 1999, year 2000 I think is when he, or 99 is probably when he got drafted actually. 
So we had not won anything in this region for, for forever. Red Sox hadn't won anything in like 70 years. The Celtics had won something in the 80s, but it had been a while. It was 86. It was the last championship we had had. And then what about, I mean, the Patriots had never won a Super Bowl. They had won nothing. And the Bruins hadn't won in years. Then all of a sudden Brady comes to New England. He gets the Pats a Super Bowl. The year after 9-11 happened, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. And our fan base, man, there was nothing like that. The Patriots fans, we were so hungry. I was calling Sports Talk Radio every day back then, just like loving this. And when we finally won, man, it was Celebration City around here for the Patriots. Way to make it happen. Bob Kraft, you kept the team in town, in the region. Tom Brady's a miracle worker. Wow, we got this dude a six-round pick. Well, he goes on to win, we know. We got six titles for the Pats. But he also loops in the other teams with their success. Does he play hockey? Does he play baseball? Does he play basketball? No. But the fans grew accustomed to winning. We learned how to win. We expected to win. We had the hunger. When KG and Ray Allen joined up with Paul Pierce for the Celtics, that year, man, that we won the title, there was no stopping us. Ubuntu all the way, baby. I don't even know if I said that right, but, man, the Celtics, we were, we were not going to lose. KG was not going to let us lose, and the fans weren't going to let us lose. We were so hungry. Well, then the Bruins win, too. We get multiple titles for the Red Sox. Remember that first World Series? I mean, even before that, the victory over the Yankees. We were down three games to none against the Yankees. And we come back four games to three. David Ortiz, a folk hero. I love this dude. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite athletes of all time. David Ortiz can do nothing wrong in my book. <laughs> nothing. I don't care what, what the news and stuff says. I love David Ortiz. The whole region grows accustomed to winning. Well, think back. San Francisco. Remember with, with San Francisco Giants in baseball? They're winning titles. Guess what happens after that? Golden State Warriors become incredible. Think about Tom Brady. Tom Brady goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They had never done nothing. Well, Tom Brady goes there. The Bucks win the championship. Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup. I think the, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays went to the World Series that year too. It's like it, it just builds up. Look at with, with Los Angeles here in the last couple of years. The Lakers won the, the title during the COVID year. When they played in the bubble, well, what happens? The Los Angeles Rams win a title, I think, the year after. It happens in bunches. And what I'm telling the New England fans is we're fat and happy and lazy. We've gotten accustomed to winning, and we're not hungry anymore. We need to find the hunger. I was at the Celtics game against Golden State when we were up two games to one. It was game four in the Boston Garden. I was there. If we win that game, we're up three games to one. We're going to win a title. At that game, I was like 15 rows back from the floor. Fans were all sitting down. They weren't cheering. Like There, there wasn't the, the palpable hunger and excitement that you see from like Cleveland Browns fans in the NFL now last Thursday night where dudes, it's like 20 degrees. You got m- plenty of dudes there with their shirts off. Big fat guys with their shirts off. They're hungry. Their fans were all hanging around after the game for like 20 minutes. I saw it on the TV. They were still there. They won a championship in Cleveland. Of course they do. They haven't had one in forever. We need to bring that attitude 
We're going to be bringing it here every single day on the Sports Machine with Slim, I can tell you that. WKXL Radio, this is New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and htalkradio.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow.